Hello again. The subject of our talk today is how our nervous system, neurotransmitters, hormones and behaviors collectively interact. And in this lecture, we will try to answer some of the questions that may be boiling in the mind of every one of us, as clear answers for these questions will undoubtedly help in building better and a better mind and body balance and facilitate the reach to the ultimate aim of every human being of having a good life and comprehensive sense of well-being. And the questions which we will try to answer today are as follows. I made a list of almost 15 questions and I'll tell you uh, uh, about some of them. The first question will be, what are the three main parts of our nervous system? <coughs> the second question, what is um, uh, the spinal cord? The third question, what is the peripheral nervous system? And then we will uh, uh, answer a question, which is what are the neurons? The fifth question will be what are the effects of the physical injuries and damage to neurons? And the sixth question would be what is the anatomy of a neuron? Uh, the seventh question would be, what are the types of neurons we have in our bodies? And we will touch on a very um, uh, uh, new uh, aspect of neurology, which is related to uh, stem cells and how are the neurons created by stem cells. And we will answer a question, which is, how do neurons communicate? And then we will jump to the 10th question, which is what are the types of neurotransmitters we have in our bodies? And then we will jump to the 11th question, which is what are the agonist and antagonist drugs? And we will touch on some of the addic addictive drugs and how they work on the central nervous system. And the 12th question would be what are the hormones? and how they work in the endocrine system. And the 13th question would be, what are the similarities between neurotransmitters on one hand and the hormones on the other hand? And the 14th question would be, what are the types of hormones we have in our bodies? And the last question would be, how the bidirectional link between behaviors and hormones work. Um, and now uh, I think we need to embark with uh, our uh, uh, important questions and try to answer each one of them simply and clearly and as much as possible. Let's start with the uh, first question we have in our list today, which is, what are the three main parts of the uh, nervous system? 
The nervous system is systematically divided into two parts. The first of which is the central nervous system, which includes the brain and the spinal cord. And the second is the peripheral nervous system, which includes all of the nerves outside the brain and the spinal cord. And now we will try to jump to answering that um, a second question we had in our list, which is, what is the spinal cord? The spinal cord is a long tube that contains bundles of nerve fibers, and it constitutes the core of the entire nervous system and has two main functions. First, the spinal cord can initiate certain aut uh, automatic nervous responses on its own. These uh, um, automatic involuntary nervous responses are called reflexes because the response to the incoming stimuli is automatically sent to the spinal cord and then reflected immediately back to the relevant muscles in a very rapid manner that does not involve the slow process of thinking, contemplating, and deciding for an action. Reflexes are uh, uh, specific adapt uh, adaptive quick shortcuts that allow the body to immediately react without involving the brain in the process. Each, uh, 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 each reflex serves a life-saving purpose, such as when you withdraw your hand from a burning stove. We, we are all born with uh, numerous reflexes, such as blinking in the response of a puff of air delivered to the eyes. Um, the second function of the spinal cord relies in the responsibility to carry information from the entire body into and out of the brain. The spinal cord works always in tandem with the peripheral nervous system, which carries information back and forth between the central nervous system of the brain and the spinal cord on one hand and the body's sensory receptors, muscles and glands on the other hand. Now, um, it's the time to uh, uh, try to um, uh, answer uh, the next question, <coughs> which is, what is the peripheral nervous system? The peripheral nervous system is divided systematically into two distinct parts that control different type of processes in the body. The first of these parts is the somatic nervous system, which carries sensory information to the brain and spinal cord, and then carries messages from the brain and spinal cord to the muscles. So uh, that's the first part of the peripheral nervous system. The other part of the peripheral nervous system is the autonomic nervous system, which is 
a, a primitive system in our humans that controls involuntary bodies, body, uh, uh, bodily tasks, uh, including heartbeats, digestion, and breathing. This system operates at an autonomic level and in an autonomous manner that cannot be controlled voluntarily. So we cannot control how the autonomic nervous system. And in turn, the autonomic nervous system also divided into two distinct branches. The first of which is the sympathetic and the second is the parasympathetic. And these two subsystems work in opposition to each other to regulate multiple activities within the body, including breathing, heart rate, digestion, and sexual arousal. These two systems always balance each other out. That sympathetic nervous system helps the body to respond quickly to mobilize resources during times of stress and this emergency response is commonly described as fight or flight response you have two choices either to fight or flee from uh, uh, the danger. On the other hand, the parasympathetic nervous system works um, in a different direction than the sympathetic nervous system and works to calm the body and conserve energy, including the freeze response which is a very unique type of responses that happens in the face of a stressor in which the organism, the human being, opts not to engage in a fight-or-flight reaction for being unfeasible and choosing instead to uh, um, uh, the non-reaction and equanimity and which would result in a freezing reaction. This reaction is very common when mothers which, with their children are exposed to unescapable danger where mothers tend to calm the children while they all face their tragic irresistible fate. Now, uh, it's time to uh, move to answering our following question, which is, what are the neurons themselves? The basic building block of all of the aspects of the nervous system is the nerve cell, which is called the neuron. So the nerve cells are in our central nervous system and in our peripheral nervous system are the neurons. Neurons take in sensory information from the outside world 
and then pass it along to the entire body, including the central nervous system. This complex system of communication is responsible for all of our thoughts, feelings, and actions. Here is a simple example we touched on before, um, uh, um, before when we were talking about reflexes, and that will explain how neurons work in reality. If an individual touches a hot stove, the sensation on her or his hand sends a signal via neurons to the central nervous system, signaling pain, which then stimulates the muscle in the arm uh, 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 to move her or his hand quickly in a reflexive manner, which happens by reflexive order from the spinal cord sent through the outgoing neurons to the muscles in response to the painful stimuli. It's like a circle, receiving, then giving, uh, uh, passing the outgoing message to the muscles to take action. Neurons are, are actually smaller than the width of a strand of hair, but neurons bundle together to form nerves. The largest nerve in the entire body, which is the sciatic nerve, has the same width as a thumb at its uh, widest point, and it stretches from the lower back to the very tip of the big toe. Each sciatic uh, 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 nerve stimulates movement of uh, uh, the leg muscles and carries messages between the leg and the spinal cord. And that will uh, lead us to uh, ask uh, the, the following question and try to answer it, which is, what are the effects of physical injuries and damage to neurons? Neurons are very fragile and susceptible to injuries and damage, and that usually leads to pain, firstly, which is a signal that there is something wrong going inside the body, and in addition to malfunction of the nerve in which the neurons are bundled together to create this nerve. So the injury will lead to pain and malfunction of the individual single neurons and eventually to uh, pain and malfunction in the bundle of these neurons, which is the nerve. For example, physical injury or damage to the sciatic nerve, which we uh, uh, talked about uh, 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 earlier, results in a group of symptoms often called sciatica. The symptoms can include pain, weakness, and or decreased sensation. Now, we need now to uh, answer the following question, which is uh, 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 logic now in 
the grand scheme we we drew for our lecture, which is what is that um, um, uh, anatomy of a neuron, a single individual neuron. All neurons share the same basic anatomy. The cell body coordinates all of the neurons' different functions and keeps the cell alive. Also, the cell body encompasses the nucleus of the neuron of the uh, nervous cell, which contains the genetic material codes in the form of the chromosomes within the nucleus. These chromosomes work as a manual for controlling the working of the cell and preserving its livelihood. The dendrites are projections from the cell body that receive information from other neurons and then convey it to the cell body structures inside the cell body. And the, the third structure, we, we mentioned the cell body, the dendrites, and now the third structure in a neuron is the axon which is the part of the neuron that carries information from the cell body to the other end of the neuron and then from there to the other neurons. The axon is covered with a, a very important layer of fatty tissue. This um, a, a, a layer is called the myelin sheath, which helps speed up the transmission of information along the axon. This myelin sheath works as insulator that protects the loss of electric current from the axon into the surrounding structure. It protects uh, uh, the leakage of the electric current from the axon into the surrounding structure. In fact, myelin uh, is extremely essential for normal function of the nervous system. And I will give you uh, uh, two examples. At the time of birth, there is very little myelin. But during infancy, many axons develop myelin sheaths. This development corresponds with uh, the increasing capability of the brain, increasing cognitive and motor skills such as speaking, crawling and walking. Also, this is the second example, the destruction of uh, the myelin sheaths that wrap the uh, axons of the neurons it results in the dreadful disease of multiple sclerosis. Now, uh, we need now <coughs> to move on to the next question, which is what are the types of neurons in our bodies? And 
Although all neurons have the same fundamental anatomical structure, they play distinctly different roles in terms of the type of information they transmit between the peripheral nervous system and uh, the central nervous system, and then from the central nervous system to the peripheral nervous system, as we explained earlier. For instance, sensory neurons transmit information from sensory cells or receptors to the brain. They have specialized endings that receive signals of light, like the receptors we have in our eye, or sound, like the receptors we have in our ears, or touch the, uh, as uh, the receptors we have on uh, our fingers, ta or taste, or smell, etc. And these speci specialized ending receptors convert these signals of light, sound, touch, taste, or smell into an electrical signal to be passed to the brain. On the other hand, these are we, we, we explained how the sensory neurons they have a specialized ending receptors. Uh, and now we need to explain how the motor neurons work, and these motor neurons uh, transmit commands from the brain to the glands or muscles in our body, typically through. Uh, uh, the spinal cord. They have especially long axons allowing individual nerve cells to reach from the spine to the end of long muscles at the end of your limbs. This means that uh, a motor neuron in the spinal cord that reaches the toes, like in the uh, uh, um, uh, sciatic nerve we mentioned earlier, might be one meter long. There is, in addition to receptor and motor neurons, there is another special type of neurons called interneurons. And as their name uh, uh, conveys, they connect other neurons to each other. For uh, instance, when an individual reads a text message on his phone, the signal from the sensory neurons, which uh, uh, um, um, converts uh, the sense of uh, um, uh, uh, the power of light into their specialized receptors into an electric current. They convert that and send that current to through the axons of these receptors to these specialized interneurons that connects, that they are located in the spinal cord, and then they connect the signal coming from the uh, receptors of these sensory neurons connect them through the spinal cord by these interneurons and then 
send them from these interneurons to another neuron that takes the signal directly to the brain. So now we have uh, three neurons, uh, sensory neuron, uh, interneuron, and another neuron in the brain receiving the signal. So now the individual can then uh, um, uh, uh, receive and process the signal uh, in his brain and then issues a new signal from the brain and pass the signal uh, through um, uh, through another um, uh, interneuron, then from this interneuron uh, to another motor uh, uh, neuron, and then the signal uh, will pass to the muscle in the finger, uh, muscles to let this individual type a response on his phone. There is another interesting, very, very interesting fourth type of neurons that are specific to the brain, which are called mirror neurons. Mirror neurons respond to this respond the same way when we perform an action like eating an apple and when we witness someone else perform the same action when we witness somebody else eating an apple one of the main examples and uh, um, of the work of these mirror neurons include feeling the need to yawn when we see some uh, someone else yawn or when uh, we flinch when uh, uh, we see a boxer uh, uh, takes a hit during a game. Because mirror neurons allow uh, us to respond to what other people are thinking and feeling, they uh, uh, allow us to empathize with those around us and feel what they feel. These are very, very interesting uh, uh, type of neurons, and I think we should have uh, um, uh, a specific lecture to cover their uh, interesting aspects. Now, the following question is, how are neurons are created by stem cells? You can read in the media very interesting uh, stories, uh, sensational about stem cells and stem cell therapies. I'll try to uh, um, simplify the idea of uh, stem cells and stem cell therapies in a, a connection with um, uh, our subject, which are the neurons uh, today. Neurons of all kinds are created by stem cells, um, which are a, a sort of embryonic cells that remain in our bodies after birth. These are the stem cells, are sort of embryonic cells that remain in our bodies after birth and these uh, uh, stem cells can grow and develop into any type of cell depending on the specific chemical signals they receive from uh, the anatomical position. They um, uh, <coughs> are settling in to build a specific tissue within its uh, uh, spatial uh, space. So basically there are 
uh, uh, specialized cells. They are uh, uh, very similar to the embryonic cells, and they can develop in, into uh, uh, different type of cells depending on uh, the chemical signals they receive from uh, the specific place they reside in to build a new tissue. There are chemical signals like, for example, stem cells uh, within a, a bone tissue. Uh, they can, uh, they will generate a new bone because they receive specific chemicals from the surrounding um, uh, uh, um, guide these stem cells to regenerate bone. Uh, however, the same stem cells, if they are put in, in the liver, for example, they will receive um, uh, specific chemical signals from uh, uh, their surrounding and they will develop into um, liver cells. And one of the most exciting developments in the field of neuroscience and uh, uh, neurology over the last few years are the clinical trials to form new neurons from stem cells by trying neuronal replacement therapy for the nerve cells that have died in the brain or the spinal cord. If these trials are successful and validated, then they will open up various possibilities for helping people to recover from serious neural, uh, neural injuries and diseases um, uh, like after accidents or uh, uh, terrible diseases um, uh, uh, like um, um, Alzheimer. Now, um, we need now to jump to um, uh, a, a, an important question we uh, mentioned earlier, which is how do neurons communicate with each other? Neurons use both electrical impulses and chemical messages to convey information. First, the dendrites receive electrical signals from our senses, or they receive chemical messages from other nearby neurons. If these messages are sufficiently strong, the neuron uh, uh, will react then by firing. And firing means that the neuron will respond by sending the information all the way down the axon and onto uh, other neurons. This is called an action potential. And this term is important, and we need to rem remember it because we'll use it several times in our future lectures. When the neuron responds, and uh, uh, we called this response, when the neuron fires, it releases chemicals known as neurotransmitters into the synapse which is a tiny, very tiny space between the axon of one neuron on one hand and the dendrites of another neuron on the other hand. 
So uh, uh, um, um, the, the, this synapse is a very tiny uh, space in which the firing neuron releases the neurotransmitters, which are uh, uh, very specialized chemicals. Then the neurotransmitters attach to specific receptor sites on the dendrites of the nearby receiving neuron. So the electric uh, signal, if it's strong enough, will result in uh, releasing um, uh, uh, neurotransmitters into the synapse. And from uh, the synapse, the neurotransmitters will move on to the dendrites of the nearby receiving neuron. And in fact, neurotransmitters work as keys that activate particular receptors, which can be looked at as locks on the dendrites of the nearby neurons. So they are they are like specialized keys that works on a specialized locks on the dendrites of the nearby neurons. The right neurotransmitter released from one neuron to the synapse to the nearby neuron is required to match to the right receptor, or like if you want to imagine it as a lock, to have a particular effect and consequently response in the uh, uh, neuron that uh, uh, received the neurotransmitter. So, uh, um, now, I think it's very logic to move to the following question, which is, what are the types of neurotransmitter we have in our bodies? So now we knew that we have uh, uh, different types of neurons, and in fact, we have uh, uh, many different types of neurotransmitters in uh, the human body. Each neurotransmitter has different effects on the body and sometimes different effects depending on the part of the body they are secreted in. Like the same neurotransmitter uh, would work differently if it's secreted in the gut or secreted in the brain. And we will it, 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 it's a very fascinating field. And I'll, we'll try now to highlight the basic functions of a few of the most important neurotransmitters. And we try later on in our future lectures to um, uh, uh, go uh, deeper um, uh, into this very uh, fascinating uh, field of neuroscience. The first neurotransmitter we will talk about today is glutamate. And it is the most abundant neurotransmitter in the nervous system. It is involved in cognition, learning, and memory. Too little glutamate leads to difficulties, including difficulties with concentration, and uh, emotional reactions, and um, also feeling of mental exhaustion, tiredness. Uh, uh, um, also, 
Um, uh, it's worth mentioning that too much glutamate is equally problematic as that can uh, damage uh, neurons. Uh, the second um, um, uh, neurotransmitter we um, may need to um, um, uh, elaborate on a little bit, which is called GABA, which is uh, uh, GABA aminobutyric acid, which uh, plays an important role in reducing uh, feelings of anxiety, stress, and fear. And uh, it's important to mention that manufactured drugs like uh, Valium and alcohol work uh, by binding to GABA receptors and mimicking its uh, effect on the nervous system, which result in reduction of anxiety, but that is not without uh, a major side effects of uh, um, uh, a drug like Valium, which and um, uh, alcohol, which include addiction and many serious uh, uh, consequences of this addiction. And I think we should uh, cover uh, the issue of addiction in a future uh, lecture uh, in depth. Um, the other um, uh, uh, well-known uh, neurotransmitter and um, hugely mentioned in the media is the dopamine. Dopamine influences many things, including thoughts, feelings, motivations, and most importantly, reward-seeking behaviors. Too much dopamine is seen in people with schizophrenia and mania. Too little dopamine is seen in people with uh, Parkinson's disease. And I think we will um, uh, uh, cover the dopamine in depth when we talk about uh, um, uh, addictive behaviors and addiction in general. The other neurotransmitter is serotonin. Serotonin is involved in regulating mood, sleep, eating, arousal, and pain. Too many things serotonin is involved in. Too little serotonin in the brain is linked with severe depression. And in fact, many antidepressants are serotonin uh, uh, reuptake uh, inhibitors, which work by blocking the ability of neurons to reabsorb serotonin that is left over in the synapse, allowing levels uh, of serotonin to stay higher in the body. And, um, uh, well... Uh, as we mentioned, serotonin works in um, a variety of ways, and uh, um, uh, it, it works in the brain in a different and completely uh, different manner than how it works in the gut. And as we mentioned, like each specific neurotransmitter um, has a specific role according to the anatomical site it works on. 
Um, the other uh, neurotransmitter we may uh, touch on today is acetylcholine. Uh, and it, acetylcholine is one of the most abundant and important neurotransmitters. It is found in all motor neurons and is involved in all of the body movements. It also found in many brain neurons and plays an important role in learning and memory. Patients with Alzheimer's disease show depleted levels of acetylcholine and drugs and substances that interrupt acetylcholine function can cause serious and life-threatening problems. <clears throat> the other uh, uh, um, uh, um, neurotransmitter we may mention briefly is uh, endorphins and endorphins elevate mood and reduce pain and endorphins are responsible for uh, what is um, called uh, commonly the runner runner's high uh, which happens in some people during or immediately after excessive physical exercise and mainly endorphins are uh, uh, painkillers secreted um, inside the body to reduce the pain away and uh, um, when they are released they have th uh, that kind of um, side effect of feeling uh, happy so they are secreted after excessive physical exercise by the body to reduce the pain after uh, such excessive physical exercise but one of the uh, um, uh, side effects is uh, making the person feel happy and uh, one of the main uh, uh, man-made drugs that mimic the effect of endorphins are uh, um, uh, opiates and opium and I think we will um, have to cover it uh, thoroughly in a future lecture. Now um, it's important as we mentioned uh, uh, addiction and man-made uh, drugs to answer the question important question which is what are the agonist and antagonist drugs and how they work in the uh, nervous system uh, in fact knowledge about how neurotransmitters communicate and how uh, these neurotransmitter uh, generate uh, 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 effects uh, in the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system has led to the development of certain drugs that either enhance or inhibit the effects of particular neurotransmitter. And agonist drugs are uh, substances that bind to a receptor in the uh, 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 central nervous system or the peripheral nervous system and trigger a response that mimics or enhances a specific neurotransmitter effect. Drugs like morphine, uh, 
uh, and um, and heroin, which are uh, uh, which are working by mimicking the effects of opiates, uh, 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 mimicking the effects of endorphins uh, in the body. Uh, 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 these drugs, morphine and heroin, decrease pain by binding to the same receptors used by the endogenous endorphins, as we mentioned earlier. Antagonist drugs are, on the other hand, the substances are their names, uh, 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 states they are substances that bind to the receptors of a specific neurotransmitter and consequently block this neurotransmitter effect they do uh, they do not mimic or uh, strengthen uh, the effect but they block the neurotransmitter effect by preventing this neurotransmitter from binding to these receptors we will mention one positive uh, example of a man-made drug, which is the life-saving drug naloxone, which is used for the treatment of um, uh, 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 and the support of the people who are trying to escape from the nightmares of addiction. However, it works in, in a very uh, fascinating way. For example, it, it works by binding to the same receptors as opioid, we mentioned, morphine and heroin. And, and this uh, 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 medication, naloxone, serves to prevent the opioids from attaching to uh, um, these receptors. And also, naloxone has um, uh, uh, the ability to even displace the opioids that have already attached, re reversing the dangerous suppressive effects on breathing, which frequently result in the recurrent tragic stories of overdose uh, deaths. Um, and uh, um, uh, uh, but there is a very narrow window. Um, uh, for uh, giving the naloxone uh, if uh, um, uh, a patient suffers from uh, an overdose crisis. So um, uh, it needs to be administered in this very narrow window and administered in time without any delay to save the life of the patient who's suffering from an overdose crisis. Now, uh, I think now we need to uh, uh, cover um, uh, another uh, uh, topic which we mentioned in the subject of our talk, which is what are the hormones and how they work in the endocrine system. In addition to uh, the nervous system, use of neurons and neurotransmitters to send messages, there is a second set of neural messages uh, which can be sent not through neurons and neurotransmitters per se, but by the endocrine system throughout the body. The endocrine system is a collection of glands 
that secretes specific chemicals known as hormones into the blood stream. <clears throat> the pituitary gland in the brain, uh, 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 in the center of our brain rather, is usually considered the primary or master endocrine gland because it releases hormones that activate the other endocrine glands. Those other glands that are controlled by the master gland, the pituitary gland, include the thyroid gland in the neck, uh, the, the thymus gland in the chest, uh, the uh, adrenal glands and pancreas in the uh, uh, abdominal uh, cavity, and the gonads, which uh, comprise ovaries in females and testes in males. The endocrine system helps to maintain regular short-term uh, short bodily processes such as digestion and waste elimination. Also, it helps to regulate long-term bodily processes such as growth and the development of secondary sex characteristics at the time of puberty. Now, that will lead us to um, um, a, a, a very essential question, which is, uh, what are the similarities between neurotransmitters and hormones? Are they the same? Well, well the, answer is, the answer is not yes or no. It's, it's, it's rather complex, and, um, um, and it depends. Some hormones work like neurotransmitters, and some neurotransmitters work in some ways like hormones. For example, the hormone progesterone and the other hormone estrogen can also bind to specific receptors on the dendrites of the neurons, just like neurotransmitters leading to uh, very fast effects on uh, uh, the nervous system like uh, uh, mood changes. And on the other hand, certain neurotransmitters such as dopamine and serotonin also work as hormones regulating the release of various other hormones by the pituitary gland. So there is like a, a, a dialectical relationship between neurotransmitters and hormones in the body. And uh, 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 the other um, uh, question which we'll try to answer today is, what are the types of hormones we have in our bodies? It's a very big question. We'll try to answer this uh, simply. We have different hormones in our bodies and each of which plays a distinct role in how the body functions. We will try now just to give you some examples of the hormones that continuously act within our bodies. And one of the uh, prominent names in this regard is adrenaline which is also known as epinephrine. And this hormone adrenaline is the hormone that increases physiological arousal. 
it helps our entire body to quickly prepare to respond in times of immediate stress by increasing heart rate, elevating blood pressure, and boosting available energy. And in other words, it is the hormone which is secreted when we are in a situation that requires from the body a reaction we mentioned earlier, which is fight or flight. It prepares the body to face a, 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 um, a, a, stim, a, a stimuli that is dangerous and requires um, uh, immediate attention by fighting it or fleeing from it. The other um, um, uh, important hormone is cortisol. Cortisol also helps the body to respond to stress, but in a more sustained way, not very uh, 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 quick and fast way as the adrenaline works. The adrenaline works in, in almost immediately. Uh, uh, the cortisol takes time to uh, generate effects. And the cortisol controls blood sugar levels, so the body has, the, has enough energy to fight the stress on the long term. And it also reduces inflammation and suppresses non-essential processes and divert resources to the basic physiological uh, uh, processes that maintain survival. Cortisol says that uh, 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 all the resources should be diverted to um, uh, uh, to maintain survival and fight for survival, and everything uh, non-essential would be secondary, even if it's important. And uh, we will we will touch on this uh, hormone extensively when we talk about how uh, uh, and why humans uh, suffer uh, uh, deeply from long-term stress and how um, um, uh, uh, um, uh, other inflammatory and terrible diseases like um, uh, ulcers in the stomach and the duodenum happens because of the excessive uh, secretion of cortisol um, uh, for a longer periods. The third hormone, which um, uh, it's important to uh, mention, is testosterone. In both men and women, in both men and women, not only men, uh, uh, testosterone triggers the creation of new blood cells, increases the bone strength and muscle development and leads to uh, uh, and, uh, uh, what is called uh, the sexual desire or lipido. In men, testosterone is responsible for triggering the post-puberty changes in the body, uh, uh, shape and morphology, as well as for the sperm production in the testes. Uh, uh, higher testosterone also predicts riskier behaviors in a variety of different settings and this is something we may need to elaborate on in a future lecture. Now, uh, um, uh, the question now is how by directional link between behaviors and hormones 
work. It's a two uh, it's two sided link uh, between behaviors. Behaviors affects uh, uh, hormones, and hormones in turn affects behaviors. The link uh, between hormones and behavior is always bidirectional, in which hormones influence behavior, but behavior also influence hormones. This is very important rule in understanding how the body works. For example, the hormone estrogen main function is to help regulate and maintain the female reproductive system and to trigger the development of uh, female post-puberty changes in the body. However, estrogen low levels may increase the risk of developing neurological symptoms and diseases including anxiety and depression among females. Another example uh, uh, of how behaviors can affect a hormonal abundance in the body is the hormone oxytocin, which is often referred to as the bonding hormone, or sometimes it's called the love hormone. Oxytocin levels climb uh, after various types of nurturing behaviors, including hugging a loved one and offering unconditional love and support and help to others. On the other hand, shortage of these nurturing behaviors in the daily lives of the human beings results in low oxytocin levels, which may in turn increase the risk of developing different psychopathologies like anxiety, depression, and anorexia nervosa, which involves excessive and obsessive efforts to reduce weight by avoiding drink and food. Well, I wish that I managed today to provide you with some helpful information, and I look forward passionately to meeting up with you again in the near future. Until then, please accept my warmest regards.